0: Hello and welcome to the Urban Garden Survival Show and this is episode two and today we're just doing part one of a little series called 10 Popular Veggies or Fruit to Grow in Your Urban Garden. So I'm your host, Lynn Carey, and what we want to cover today is really the first five of these particular veggies or fruits and obviously you, where you can grow them as well as basically the growing tips and health benefits, information just relating to each plant and how that affects survival or self-sufficiency and also I want to cover at the end just what you can do next as well as just give you a little bit more info on what's coming up in the next episode. So let's get started. Now can you grow these in your garden? Well obviously I don't know where you live and what sort of situation you're in but and everyone has to take into account their own particular individual conditions Um, but generally speaking you know things can be pretty adaptable assuming that you take into account your space conditions etc so which of these fruits would you like to grow well clearly you know there's so many different things that really do come into deciding what to grow Things like you and your family's personal likes and dislikes, uh, your plans just for your garden, what your reasons are for having certain foods growing and, you know, what you can afford, what's available locally. So just to kick this off, let's start off with probably one of the most popular vegetables around and that, or fruits in actual fact, and that's tomatoes. And these are so popular and very versatile, obviously, and even though they are technically a fruit we obviously use them a bit like a vegetable and we use them in savoury type dishes. Uh, Basically they, well you can obviously buy them at the shops but the trouble is that often these have been artificially ripened, gassed etc and they just don't taste as good. Sometimes they may look nice but they just lack a lot of flavour often. So basically if you're growing these you want to be able to well, you, depending on your climate, again, grow them through the warmer months. You can also get a head start starting your seedlings off in a, a greenhouse or a coal frame or some sort of warm environment prior to being able to plant them out in your garden. Now, they usually like weekly applications of compost tea, seaweed solution, that's usually a good uh, a good combination and you can also throw in some fish emulsion fertilizer something like that you also want to think about rotating your crops with these because if you keep growing these in the same bed they do become very susceptible to diseases like wilt and uh, nematode uh, root nematodes that basically start to uh, kill them off a lot earlier than they need to be So they like a well-drained soil, something that's nicely composted and in a nice sunny position with regular and consistent watering. Now you can also grow them in pots or raised beds um, but generally speaking they'll need some sort of support with a trellis although you can get some smaller bush varieties depending again on what sort of a situation you prefer. Tomatoes have huge amounts of health benefits as well. They're loaded with antioxidants. They're great for detox diets. They contain lycopene which actually gives the fruit its colour and that's an antioxidant compound which some studies have shown can reduce the incidence of certain types of cancer and perhaps lower the risk of heart disease, macular degenerative diseases. So. They improve your immune system and they can lower your lipid oxidation. They basically that just means um, oxidating or fat molecules that are becoming damaged over time and they also become inflamed. So it can actually help to reduce inflammation and aging which can lead to disease. Now studies also also show that it can lower bad cholesterol and the LDLs and protect enzymes and DNA as well as other cellular fats generally speaking fat is of course very important in our cells the good type of fat so you want to protect that as well now there are possible health problems I should highlight some people actually can't eat tomatoes or other members of the nightshade family uh, things like potatoes, aubergine eggplant as we call them in Australia. Now this can be temporary for some people or it can be long term depending on their circumstances. So some people with arthritic type complaints have found nightshade plants to be a problem and when they've eliminated those from their diet their condition has improved. So assuming all else assuming you don't have arthritic conditions or any sensitivity to tomatoes, then they can obviously have those health benefits we mentioned before. Now, culinary uses, obviously they're very versatile. Salads, sandwiches, Italian dishes, pastas, pizzas, Thai recipes, soups, and one of my favourites for adding to fresh juices or green smoothies, and especially if you just throw a bit of basil in there as well. They keep... a longer in the refrigerator but unfortunately they do lose some of their flavor then so when you pick them even though ideally you pick them and eat them straight away that's what's best if you can let them ripen on the vine but if you do pick some and you need to put them in there or keep them rather for a day or two you can keep them in a fruit bowl without any problem and they will retain that flavor obviously if it's going to be longer then you may want to refrigerate them so survival and self-sufficiency uses well obviously they're great for canning and preserving and you can using tins or jars you can also dehydrate them and store them as well and they can be stored for a longer period of time if they're dehydrated and actually uh, vacuum sealed they can also be frozen and basically kept for a set period of time. Freezing food of course doesn't last as long, that's the shortest, has the shortest shelf life and they can also be used, turned into uh, sauces and chutneys and relish and other things like that. Now my favorite method of storing food is dehydration. Primarily one because it's so lightweight uh, so, and it stores so much longer, and it's just really helpful for being able to use for meals, like if you're hiking or camping, things like that. So, that's what makes it my favorite. Now, lettuce and salads, lettuce and salad greens is what's coming up next. That's number two. Now, I've kind of combined this because there's so many different types of greens that you can throw into a salad, <clears throat> and while lettuce is Uh, Just basic lettuce is reasonably uh, plain, there's so many other things you can add that really do make it a lot more interesting. So you can't really um, have a garden without solid greens, well at least I don't think you can. Uh, So they love sun, just some growing tips. They really like the sun and partial they do like a little bit of shade though so they can tolerate sun and partial shade. They they prefer well-drained and composted or manured soil and again consistent watering. With these leafy vegetables in particular, you really want to make sure that watering is consistent, uh, particularly if you live in any sort of warm climate. Uh, Certainly mulching will help, but if you let them wilt, what that actually is doing is it's stressing the plant, and then even though they may come back, it actually weakens the plant so they then become a lot more susceptible to disease and are probably going to bolt to seed a lot quicker than they would if they were maintained uh, a bit more consistently. Now they don't like acidic soil so if you have tested your soil and you find it's a little bit acid you can always add a little bit of dolomite or lime or potash. Uh, If you've got any sort of wood burning stove or cook stove then you can use some of that ash which will add wood ash which will then take away a bit of that acidity out of the soil. Just make sure that your wood that you're using or you're burning hasn't been treated with chemicals. Now, uh, with lettuce and salad greens, of course, some more growing tips uh, they will there will do quite well in pots as well. and if you have some sort of indoor growing system like uh, with light or uh, uh, that's like a little garden um, pot that has a light over it, they will go do quite well in that as well. Now, the one thing that makes them so useful in the garden is the fact that you can, sort of treat them as a bit of a perpetual harvest plant where you just pick leaves off as you need. I would suggest staggering planting them as well so that you can just have a consistent uh, growth of them over uh, a period of time. Now health benefits, well obviously chlorophyll which is what makes green plants green is a wonderful internal cleanser, deodorizer, and a toxin neutralizer and they're just great for obviously in that situation for detoxification and they're also high in vitamin K which is essential for blood clotting and they also have folate or a type of iron which is good for the health of your blood and your brain and your nervous system so basically they green veggies are really very um, medicinal in their effect and you know eating your greens is actually healthy so culinary uses obviously they're not used so often in in cooked dishes however there are some types of greens that of course are used cooked whereas just your plain iceberg lettuce generally isn't and most of the best nutritional value when eaten raw sorry most of the best nutritional value comes when you eat it raw and this is why I like to add it to things like green smoothies the other thing you can do is dry them and then powder them up and then you can use that powder make your own green powders basically and add those to uh, green smoothies or other juices so for self-survival self-sufficiency and self-survival uses you want to um, again consider what I was just just talking about in relation to drying them and using them as powders. This means you can supplement your diet and basically give yourself some hidden greens really good for children too if you have trouble getting them to eat their salads and their greens. Um, They can't really be frozen so much or canned. Uh, So there are limits to their storage ability but certainly dehydration and turning them into nice green powders is perhaps one of their best long-term uses. So generally you can also use the different colored lettuces like the red lettuce um, and other types as well which you know, you've they got quite a few varieties that will add some, well, a bit of variety to your salads, I guess, um, as well as to your, your, if you dry them, to your dried powders. And ad- additionally to your lettuce, you can add some other greens like your spinach and kale or your chards, and you can add those to your powders, but you can also make things like kale chips, which, again, are quite yummy. So, I just mentioned again there about the green powders and the fact that you can actually save quite a bit of money. Those dehydrated green powders can be extremely expensive. Okay, number three is peas and beans. Now these are really important from a staple point of view, especially if you are on a vegan diet. Legumes and pulses make uh, great, filling additions to a lot of recipes and they're really delicious as well now growing tips usually grown through cooler months however again it depends on the extremes in your climate Uh, just check out the information for your particular zone only needs moderate fertiliser but still a nice well-developed humus or soil. They also prefer slightly alkaline soil so you can prepare the bed about a month before depending on the results of the soil test and you might want to again add your wood ash or a bit of lime or potash. They like sun to partial shade and they these, these plants are really quite useful when you doing plant rotation and your crop rotation so when you're planting your garden the fact that these plants will fix nitrogen in the soil means that they're a really good plant to plant in a bed that you're going to be wanting to plant the next lot of plants that actually who need nitrogen so you don't want to plant peas again or any legumes in the same bed that you've just taken those out of. Obviously rotating your crops is really important and they don't like a nitrogen rich soil either so again follow those up with the plants that really do appreciate the nitrogen so it's just another way to replenish your soil when you're planting your garden beds. So with watering again I think pretty much with most vegetables, and it's important to have consistent watering. If you overwater plants, they will often become more susceptible to fungal diseases and, and other problems. So certainly not overwatering, but consistent watering. Health benefits of legumes and peas. Well, they're generally considered a protein. Even though they are a starch type protein, they are also an incomplete protein however when you mix up things like your your legumes and your peas, beans and you mix them with other vegetables what happens is that you then get a complete protein mix so it's not uh, really an issue that they aren't complete proteins in case that's something that you've heard. They're high in fibre, in iron and other essential minerals and vitamins and As I mentioned, they're a a carbohydrate or a complex carbohydrate food and they are very filling, uh, very satisfying foods to add to a diet, particularly if you are a vegan or vegetarian. Very useful in the kitchen, uh, very versatile. You can use them either uh, sprouted, uh, I say raw in salads, I should say sprouted because obviously you're not going to chew on some dried bean in a salad, so if you sprout then sprout them then they are perfect for salads if you um, want to add them to soups or smoothies uh, again you can throw you can soak the dried beans or peas before you cook add them to your soups you can also sprout them to add to things like salads or your green juices and smoothies they are great too as a, a bit of a standalone vegetable with certain recipes as well so quite versatile. From self-sufficiency point of view and survival, they're quite impor- important because of the the staple aspect. Because they're such um, a, I suppose, filling. <clears throat> they provide a good amount of calories. They provide the protein and the complex carbohydrates and the fibre as well as nutrition. They also store really well. And they obviously dehydrate or dry out quite fine. And they can be frozen if they're cooked and canned. Um, Again, I much prefer drying these types of foods. So, certainly, you know, things like split peas, beans, lentils, legumes, they're much better dried from my experience. So number four we want to cover is carrots, another popular vegetable and very nutritious. They are again a starch vegetable so quite um, uh, filling and quite satisfying when added to various recipes. When you're growing carrots then again keep in mind they really don't do so well in warmer climates uh, but they can be grown most of the year through more temperate and cooler zones. They are suitable for growing in a coal frame crop to extend your growing season but you don't really want to be transplanting them once they've started to grow. So you really need to think about planting them where you want them to grow. And you want to make sure that the bed is well prepared, well dug over, not lots of clumpy bits or or, or stony because otherwise that's going to encourage branching of, that, uh, of, the, of the main taproot. And what you're really after is that main taproot to be nice and straight. So while the soil wants to be good quality uh, slightly sandy so that it's easier to, for the taproot to go down you don't want to have too much in the way of fertilizers or like manure um, because unless it's really well aged or matured because that again will just cause it to send out a lot of li- a lot of roots rather than the one main taproot. You don't want to over water again it'll tend to split the, the carrot carrots the roots and um, basically you want especially early in the piece you want that taproot to re- be heading down to look for moisture so you know some watering on you just need to be a little bit careful about how you're going about that now they're best grown as I said straight from seed not from seedlings because they don't transplant well and make sure you prepare the, the bed which I've already covered Now, growing problems with carrots—they uh, can be a little tricky. Multiple roots, misshapen carrots, hairy roots—are all problems that can that often occur when you're trying to grow carrots, particularly if you haven't much experience with them. So, too much nitrogen, um, which means don't fertilize, don't over-fertilize. Um, you don't want to be overcrowding them, and you want to make sure that there's the soil is nicely broken up and. Not stony. So, other problems with them, pests and diseases, the healthier your soil and the plants, obviously, the less likely you're going to have issues with diseases or pests. Now, root knot or nematodes, root knot nematodes can be a problem, um, which is another reason why you want to be careful with tomatoes because they tend to really get attracted to tomato beds, I've found. And once you've got that problem in your soil, it is a little bit tricky to get rid of it. So if you think you've got that problem, you might want to look into things like solarizing your soil, uh, which means using like a black plastic covering over the soil in, hot, in the hot weather in the middle of summer so that it can uh, actually sterilise the soil. You can also do plantings, mass plantings of calendula to help get rid of them as well. Now cracked or split roots again is caused by, or split carrots is caused from too much watering and it's like, you know, if you have a heavy rainfall in in the garden that you would rather have not had, then things like tomatoes and carrots can split as well. Now, you don't want to leave carrots in the ground too long either because what they will do is they will put down their main tap root first but once that's well down, then they start to out with their secondary root system which is what starts making them all hairy. So, keep a bit of a watch on your carrots as they're growing. Now, health benefits. Carrots have a ton of health benefits. Um, Basically packed with alpha and beta carotenes, types of vitamin A, and carotenes have been shown to inhibit tumor growth. And both cooking and juicing make carotenes more acceptable, more accessible. Sorry for digestion. And juicing the better you juicer, the more it'll break down those molecules in the vegetables. Uh, diabetics may not be able to digest carotenes very well, and just another reason to look at you know all the. Um, natural and effective ways you can actually overcome diabetes and pre-diabetic conditions. Carrots are also rather high in their starch which can gets converted to sugar. So they tend to be a little bit of a sweeter vegetable and as a consequence as well depending on how well balanced your diet is as a diabetic then these could be not the ideal food when you're starting to bring your diabetes under control. They are good for liver cleansing and great to add to fresh juices and smoothies. Obviously great in salads and great in juices as I just said and smoothies. They're great for raw snacks, used in dips and they're also obviously very versatile with cooked foods as well whether it's soups or stews or just as a vegetable on their own. You can also use them for sweet recipes like Carrot cake and obviously they can be baked or broiled or barbecued as well. So they are quite versatile in the kitchen. From a survival and self-sufficiency point of view, again these dry really well. And when you're making up those, you know, those jars with um, a meal, a meal in a jar, you know, adding all your veggies that all gets added to the pot later on. You know, Carrots are one of the main things, well, one of the types of vegetables you might be adding to say, a, a jar of a stew or a soup and um, basically they dehydrate really well and they'll last for an awfully long time. They can be frozen and canned as well obviously uh, and they can also be kept just straight uh, out of the ground for quite some time in a root cellar where there's a good airflow and a cool environment. Um, But of course, over time, nutritional value does tend to drop off. So if you're going to store food, it's always good to do it when they're straight fresh picked because then you're going to get the maximum amount of nutrition from that vegetable and keep that stored in as much as possible. So uh, I just mentioned there about the meal mixes that you can make and they're great for camping and for just emergency use as well. So, number five, this is our last one for this part today, and that's potatoes, Um, really a very popular staple veggie. And, uh, you know, I suppose they get a little bit of bad press, if you like. People tend to think, you know, they're not very good for you. And certainly if you're just eating them as fries that have been cooked in bad oils, well, then definitely not very good for you. But if you're actually using the potato Uh, With its skin still intact in particular, then you're really getting a very nutritious vegetable, especially if you're a vegan or a vegetarian and you're combining it with all the other veggies and beans or pulses that you can. Uh, You're getting a really uh, satisfying and nutritious vegetable. Now, growing tips, they don't like extremes in temperature, uh, frosts or heat. They grow best in in a temperate climate, but they can do well in most, providing that it's the right time of the year and you can just create the right conditions. They do like full sun and consistent watering, um, but once the plants have actually started to die off, well, then you don't want to be watering them too much at that point because they're not really taking it in. So you'll end up with things becoming more susceptible to rot. So they like a well-drained fertile and slightly acidic soil. And they are really well-suited to no-dig methods of gardening and raised bed methods. And you can grow them in certain types of containers uh, where you have a way of raising that bed up as you go and mounding them up with mulch, etc. They're also subject to root, not nematode. So again, it's something you want to make sure isn't present in your garden bed or your soil. And they also like well-dra... Well, I think well-drained, fertile, and slightly acidic soil. I think I've said that uh, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Now for health benefits uh, as I mentioned you want to make sure that as often as possible you leave the skin intact because most of the nutrition is just under the skin and the skin itself of course is is a part of the fibre that's uh, so good for you and basically uh, once you peel them and throw that away, you're kind of leaving yourself mostly with the starch. Uh, potatoes are very alkaline, though, and so there are uses for them, even raw, as a, to alkalize certain things. Now, you never eat, you never want to eat potatoes that are going green. Uh, light, if they' ex- you want to store them in a dark, cool place because if they get uh, access to light, too much light they start to go green. And basically that starts to form a, a, a chemical uh, called solanine, which is a natural insecticide and is actually poisonous for us. And so you don't want to eat green potatoes. home remedies I just touched on, they can also be used in poultices, they're good for burns and as I mentioned, alkalizing. the juice is very alkalizing for the body which is certainly a benefit for most of us. So culinary uses, obviously very versatile, boiled, broiled, baked, barbecued, um, great for adding to fresh vegetable juice again when you're aiming for an alkaline condition. Um, you probably wouldn't be adding a lot because they're not exactly the tastiest juice but just if you wanted to make it extra alkaline you can certainly throw some in. If you like fries then a healthy alternative is to actually chop them up leaving the skins on perhaps a little bit bigger than your thin ones, brush them with some sort of oil uh, like a good quality uh, virgin olive oil for example or a coconut oil even and then just bake them in the oven and you'll end up with your fries or wedges, depending. So for self-sufficiency and survival, again, high energy foods, uh, perfect for dehydration, can be frozen, canned, kept in, um, well, frozen if they're cooked or partially cooked. Again, it's the case, a lot of vegetables need to be uh, just partially cooked before they're frozen, and certainly Um, great dried. Again another root cellar type storage vegetable but again just be aware of the fact that you are losing some nutritional value and over time they do deteriorate. So basically that's pretty much covered all our vegetables. Um, I just want to make sure that we Know what you're going to be doing next. So, I think, firstly for yourself, you need to decide which vegetables work best for you in your garden for your family, and then maybe start planning for the next growing season. We're just coming into spring in the U.S. We're just coming into autumn in in Australia right now as I'm making this. So, uh, basically, start looking at what you're going to be growing, where you are, and what how you're going to be doing that, and just start planning your garden. Also, just consider getting seeds for whatever vegetables you want early. Uh, Basically, heirloom seeds are really what I tend to recommend because they tend to be the most tried and true and they tend to be uh, more hardy and susceptible, or sorry, less susceptible to disease and problems. Now, if you haven't already, please head over to urbangardensurvival.com and check out my website and you'll find that there's other places you can also connect up with like Facebook, Twitter and Pinterest. So I look forward to meeting you there. I would really appreciate being able to hear from you. Certainly if you want a free um, course you can sign up on my website for and subscribe to my email list, and you can download a forty-page ebook about container gardening, as well as receive your mini course on the basics of organic gardening. So, thank you very much for listening, and for the next episode, uh, basically we want to cover the next five veggies in our in part two of this series, and certainly if you'd rather watch this podcast and not just listen then just head over to my website again because over there I've got the video and uh, yeah so thank you again for listening and until next time this is Lynn Carey signing out for Urban Garden Survival Show thank you very much see you then bye